0: Welcome to the Gregarious Mammal Podcast. This is Chris with a little bit of a cold.
1: And this is Kate. Do you have a cold? With no cold. No cold. Fortunately. Well, that's
0: good. In this episode, we are going to feature interviews we did from uh, an event we were both at called 5G Techritory. Techritory, however you exactly technically Yeah. yeah. Uh, about, what, what was it about? About Techritory. No, it was about 5G.
1: Yeah, it's about um, 5G technology, particularly looking at the Baltic region. And the conference was held in Riga, in Latvia. And the organisers kindly invited us along as press guests, which was great. We got to do some interviews. We got to attend lots of interesting sessions about 5G. Um, And we also, you know, got to meet a few interesting startups and different people.
0: First is Roberto Viola who is the Director General of the EU Commission dealing with communications, uh, technology and uh, a whole bunch of other things. He's responsible for the EU data roaming, for net neutrality and is now uh, helping with the 5G rollout in Europe. And the second...
1: Our second interview was with Peja Bowie. I think that's how you pronounce it. It's um, French.
0: I would go maybe for Peugeot Bagui, but uh, I don't know. <laughs>
1: um, yeah, I can't really do a French accent, unfortunately. Okay. Uh, and he was the CEO of a startup called Easy Mile that were working on autonomous buses. We did a really interesting interview and we'll be having a corresponding uh, article in d
0: We record most of our interviews if it's okay with you we may repurpose some of the audio but if it's yeah, not yeah that's okay I mean I'm, uh, <laughs> I,
2: I, I I say sensible things uh, <laughs> even if I say story. if I say stupid things it would be even better even on better. the letter <laughs> <you know? laughs>
1: happy birthday exactly. by the way thank
0: happy you happy birthday and thank you I mean firstly we should say thank you for EU data roaming and uh, net neutrality Ah, there's freelance there's freelance journalists on very bad German contracts I think people tend to forget (laughs) (laughs) To see that we can
1: actually like I can't tell you the number of times I've had to leave conferences because the Wi-Fi is so bad you can't make phone calls
2: yeah and it helps a lot lot. (laughs) the the Wi-Fi in this hotel is terrible Uh, yesterday night this is for
1: us (laughs) yeah
2: yeah, but actually thanks to roaming I had no problem and it started a day after my birthday last year I mean, you see, you see the attitude uh, because uh, we have uh, we had a, a representative uh, in the in the conference uh, press conference uh, from the telecom industry, and he started by saying, "The problem of everything in Europe is we have too many rules." Yeah, I, I think well. <laughs> I think this is really, I mean, uh, shooting in self foot uh, in both of them. Eh? You can uh, you can decide which one. I mean, with free roaming, the data traffic has boomed in mm-hmm. Europe. Boom. So it's win-win. Yeah. Uh I don't think it's in the interest of the operator to be against net neutrality. Okay, they cannot, because it's a European rule, you have to respect But even in case it would not have been a rule, I think it's simply crazy to stop a fintech application from a competitor. It would be simply crazy. So I think, or not to protect the data in 5G. I mean, uh, we have to say the problem of 5G is that there's GDPR in Europe. Yeah. Come on, this is a, this is an asset, not the problem. I mm. mean, so That was actually going to be one of our questions because there was a lot of
0: conversations on the panels you're on around uh lo- you know lots of data being exchanged and um we're still living in the shadow of GDPR, which I think was more fearful in the build-up than it actually has been. Yes. Mm. Because it doesn't really you know target happened, that yeah. many companies. It's mainly mm. aimed at companies that maybe were not very respectful of Europe in the first place. Um but uh interestingly we've now already as, as writers started to see companies that have built business models absolutely. based on mm, absolutely. Okay. so do you think the combination of 5G when it rolls out more widespread plus some of those existing European yes. regulations will create new business models?
2: I, well? I'm very convinced and one business model you can imagine because yesterday was an a fintech conference and it was all about uh, uh, the data uh, you communicate uh, uh, which financial, I mean, actors can actually use to give you service or vice versa. I mean, And at the end of the day, the big question for all of us as data generators, do we own, really own our yeah, data? Yeah. Now, GDPR says yes, uh, if they are personal data, uh, but at the same time, I mean, there's someone else making a business of your data with your consent, maybe. Right? Yeah, yeah. So you have this strange world where few people uh, uh, have made zillions of uh, Euros or dollars with your data, uh, maybe you are more happy because you have many services, but maybe there's another world in the future where there's a personal data space that you actually control, Mm. and you decide, I mean, what to do with your data. You become yourself, your data broker. Mm. Now, uh, Mm. we are working, there's there's a team in in my department which works at the next generation internet. One of the things we do is around this personal data space. But, of course, without a, a very fast communication system, you don't really have a personal data space because your personal data space is not in your pocket, it's in the cloud. So you need a very quick interaction. So uh, 5G is a little bit the glue of uh, this connected uh, data world. Uh, So the two things, this new, I hope there will be this new business model, the personal data spaces. Same with identity. Identity is the next big thing on the web because uh, clearly you are what you are in society because also you have an identity. <laughs> uh, you are what you are in the network and you can actually uh, master what you want to do if you have an identity. Today, the main identity providers in the net are the usual uh, suspects, I mean, the platforms. I mean, But also you can use, for instance, uh, a third-party identity, your uh, public identity, public AID, which is given uh, by the public public administration in this way you pass uh, the just the information you want think about age verification if you have an identity management system, you don't need to pass personal information. Mm. There will be a, a third party application that will pass a flag saying yes, no, and a trusted flag. Yeah. But again, you need a very fast communication system to do all this. I think we'll have definitely questions around that for some of the people
0: from Estonia tomorrow.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but
0: um, yeah, we, I'm unfortunately British and we don't have ID cards like that. So it's. Uh,
1: no, not in so, Australia.
0: We don't no, no, have meeting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. A let's. Do you want to?
1: Yeah, dig sure. into some I 5G mean, just some some sort of basic questions. I mean, we're curious in regard to the EU's role in that. We know that companies in or countries rather in the EU have different levels of wealth, and how will that um, impact the way five G is rolled out and distributed amongst the different countries? or regions, if you like?
2: Well, I mean, uh, the what are the, the, say, the economics of Europe or whatever large, I mean, area you, you consider, you don't change quickly. I mean, the aim yeah. of Europe, of course, is everyone uh, raises its mm. level of wealth, but it's a fact, indeed, that mm. there are different levels. And when you look at Europe, I mean, uh, we have areas where we have uh, the most advanced network of the world. And we have areas which are really lagging like, behind. I mean, mm. so the The picture is not even at all. Uh, so our obsession of course is first of all uh, to make sure that the rules are more or less the same everywhere, that's why we worked a lot on this European communication mm-hmm. code, which are all the ground rules of 5G have to be the same I mean, mm-hmm. uh, the second point is uh, we have uh, funds uh, to help the regions which are less developed, which are the regional funds, so, mm-hmm. and we want to spend this money in digital we are already doing, but I think we should do more and then the other idea is connect cross-border, and that's the idea of this corridor uh, that we'll sign, we'll sign tomorrow, this Via Baltica corridor, okay. and there are other corridors around Europe which have more or less the same pattern. The other point is about skills. I mean, Mm. uh, uh, making sure that people can actually benefit from this revolution. It's not again a few Mm. uh, 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 billionaire that will be even more billionaire, but everyone will be a bit more uh, uh, rich, if Mm. I may say so, in in many in many senses, Mm. in different Mm. ways. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. exactly. I think we're we're definitely into
0: a territory where Mm. the definitions of rich will start changing. Yes, I agree, Uh, Mm.
2: but probably not in our generation. But uh, <laughs> well, I see. I, I, say, I think you are touching. Yes, I mean, uh, <laughs> it, it would be nice to, to live one thousand years to see all these changes. Maybe well, no, uh, 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 <laughs> some would not agree. But uh, uh, at the same time, you are a little bit touching this, demy- this um, demystification of ownership. I mean, mm. in many in many sense And once again, five G, blockchain, all this will change completely the sh- the shape of the notion of ownership, I mean.
1: Yeah,
2: exactly. I'd like to ask another
0: question around kind of the the how this works in Europe. I mean, especially for some of our American listeners and readers, there's sometimes a little bit of a misunderstanding of what Europe is and what it means exactly. Um, but you know, it's a myriad of 27 countries with various issues and problems, and sometimes things like telecommunications, backbones may not be one of their real issues at the time. So how do you kind of balance that uh, aspect of, you hope this will help in these ways, but... They have these other issues that they also want to resolve. Mm -hmm.
2: (laughs) So let me let me give uh, a guide for the American listeners or (laughs) readers to Europe or the Australian one. Yeah, indeed, indeed, Europe. I mean, uh, it's 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 a complex place. I mean, also, I mean, uh, you might see it as a whole, or you might see it as individual countries, and it's 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 the place of excess. I mean, it's a place of uh, very beautiful things, also in terms of uh, what you can visit, and also in terms. of Digital, because I mean, uh, probably we have the most advanced rules of the world in uh, in, in data protection. Uh, we guarantee roaming, uh, no matter what mm-hmm. is the operator. I mean, in U.S. to have roaming around the U.S., you have to have the same operator here. Whatever operator is fine. Uh, so uh, you have in this way you have much more coverage. Mm-hmm. By the way, you come here in Latvia with your SIM card. Whatever operator has to provide you coverage. Mm-hmm. So the roaming services are better uh, in some parts of Europe connectivity is much better but the most important thing when you compare how much uh, a citizen here in Riga or in Paris pays for its full uh, broadband service and TV and the rest Mm. is probably half of what uh, a citizen of New York pays. And more. So, so, uh, we have uh, been pursuing a different model, which is the model of uh, competition, entry into the market and the rest. Now, this model is very loved uh, by politicians and citizens, because it produces really attractive really attractive prices. If you consider the, now the fourth operator in Iliad in Italy, just entered Italy, it offers all you can eat for 15 euros. Mm. Uh, I mean, uh, I'm not sure in San Francisco you will find this package. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, are, we live in Germany where you also don't find those packages. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> in general, too. Yeah, so, uh, Germany
1: too. So, Germany is. Can uh, I say? <laughs> no. um, and I'm curious, I mean, um, not to be over but I know it's something in in our lives and a lot of expats' lives. Um, UK, I mean, are there discussions with the UK? Like, are they just going to sit there and do their own thing? And as an autonomous entity, as everyone else sort of catches up and works together?
2: Well, I mean, uh, frankly, we do hope uh, that uh, the, the, what the UK citizens have decided to exit the EU uh, yeah. comes in an orderly way, which means we have a deal. Now, uh, but at the same time, people should be warned of what are the consequences on everyday life on no deal. So from the UK yeah. side, from our side, we have put up notices saying, for instance, roaming will end yeah. or might end. Yeah. Portability of content, I mean, uh, might end. So uh, I'm I'm afraid uh, that's the crude reality. But still, I mean, uh, the hope is that uh, we can work towards an orderly deal. <laughs> a lot of the telcos are uh,
0: international companies
1: well, that's what I mean, thought, so, yeah? which is part of the curious about these in actually rolling up out, out the infrastructure. I mean, are we looking at something that's added on to existing infrastructure or it will be will it be something completely yep. new from scratch?
2: <laughs> that's uh, that's uh, the worry number 1 and if mm. you want the flip side of uh, the European model that's given so much to the users mm. is uh, of course operators who are them complain that their return of investment is less than uh, their American counterparts. Uh, so for us, uh, one of the purpose of making, uh, drafting the new rules uh, and then, I mean, through the political process of approval, the new mm-hmm. rules of telecom is to attract more investments. Now, one part of the trick uh, would be to have uh, the whole value chain, I mean, attracted into uh, co-invest in infrastructure. So, it should be also an interest for car companies, uh, for medical device manufacturers, mm-hmm. to be part of this. Uh, so. I said in my speech, uh, we calculated that uh, to bring Europe into the gigabit uh, society, which means every one of us having a gigabit connection, it would cost 500 billion euros, which is an amount uh, with so many zeros. Uh, And most of it is private investment. So we ought to find the good uh, partnership with the private sector uh, and convince, I mean, the investor that Europe is a good place to invest. But will So the
0: existing towers and things like that, are they going to be reused? I mean, or is that not something It's up to them?
2: Not something you well, I mean, the existing tower will be reused, but, I mean, uh, this technology needs many, many tiny transmitters. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, I, I, I'm really fascinated by the city of San Francisco, as I said, yeah, the integration. Yeah. Uh, in the mm-hmm. antennas in the lamppost yeah I've seen that yeah solar yeah there are very very nice ideas uh, uh, did I hear something also very nice they want to do in Sydney uh, I'm not sure but I heard something so everyone every municipality in the world is a bit creative about wow. this there's a
1: lot of plans pilots and yeah. test beds and things like that Yeah. So, how long do you think we'll get into the actual commercial in the street when I walk down the street or have uh, you like, well, I mean, I, I, I'm or,
2: yeah. sure I'm sure a big driver although although we speak about I mean uh, very important things will be the next mobile phone yeah, so we it. saw some at um, yeah indeed yeah. yeah. so we do expect the 2019 generation of yeah. a mobile phone top of the range to have a 5G yeah. it was strange uh, LG
0: I can't remember the company now I had some at IFA and they were just sat there in a box with yeah, yeah. Of, of course,
2: of yeah, there will be a lot of marketing. <laughs> right. It's like artificial intelligence now, everything is with artificial yeah, intelligence. Yeah. Even well, the most stupid. At yeah. least in the press, well,
1: there's some, Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> some no, the no, no, but. Don't have that much, but
2: they'll, they'll just write. That's uh, the so called phenomena <laughs> of everything to the press. Uh, yeah. So fiber to the press, 5G to the press, AI to the press. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, okay. So, I mean. If you have a stupid software that tells you, I mean, what is going to be the weather tomorrow, I mean, this is not AI powered, it's a prediction algorithm, stupid or less stupid, it's around since a long time. The same with 5G. There's an advancement in the 4G technology, which are extremely interesting in terms of speed. Uh, You want to call them um, 5G minus, okay. So. I think we are also pushing for the real 5G, mm. which is uh, a, a kind of game changer. That's why we have this observatory, which we launched today, yeah. no, like, uh, so people can read and understand yeah. a bit more what is 5G, what is going on in the world, what what to expect, because there's an horrendous confusion around. Mm. And, uh,
1: I mean, uh, if you look at something like autonomous vehicles, the companies I'm speaking to are saying somewhere between 2021-23, for somewhere between level 3 and 5, yeah. information the road um, do you think, firstly, the technology will catch up? And if we look at Europe, at least in in your um, your area, do you think the the you know the infrastructure and maybe the laws and stuff will catch up as well? We're promising big things with some of this technology. I, you know?
2: I think we go, we need to go faster And in in, in yeah. uh, uh, regulated technology, you have always this terrible dilemma: do I exactly. go fast or I allow technology to deploy? Now, in the case of car being, I mean, around, it's better that you. Uh, prevent that everyone invents its own rule, because otherwise you will have a software that works in Germany and Mm -hmm. then it stops at the border when it crosses the border with Austria, which is not exactly the the, the game. So, uh, we are trying to convince uh, members, first convincing, to work together on these corridors, then next wave will be in a few months we'll publish a recommendation on cooperative uh, uh, sandboxes, so how to exchange data and how to deal with cyber Security aspect of this, and of course, I do not exclude that uh, uh, in the future there might be the need uh, for some legislative uh, measures in Europe to make sure mm-hmm. that things will go. I think it will go fast. I'm not sure 21, 23, but it will go very mm-hmm. fast, especially in environments which are not that complicated, like highways. I exactly. mean, maybe in yeah. in town it's, uh, it's it's more complicated, but in highway it's more or less already there, That's or, right. yeah. uh, and it's really really important that this is rolled off very fast. It's about the life of all of us. Well,
1: that's a good point because if you look at a highway or a freeway or what you, the Autobahn, as a conduit for, you know, being the test bed on the idle yes. spot for practicing, then you've got that segue between then and getting into those yes. cities where you've got these high little roads.
0: That's actually we got I think we've got to have one more question, yeah. which actually you already mentioned one, but that the, the Baltic um, Corridor. Are there any other, uh, successful or? currently rolled out test
2: cases in Europe yes we have uh, we have uh, mm, uh, we are sponsoring right now that won the Wonder competition three mm-hmm. uh, one is called uh, the, the, the Via Baltica uh, we are not yet sponsoring but uh, we Italian understood understood. Uh, <laughs> the, the Via Baltica. I don't know I mean I, I did not invent the name uh, so <laughs> I, I was no I was curious I mean to, yep. to see this lady in via this lady in a, we have another one which is another project which is Carmen uh, you might say then it's French no it's German uh, Austrian and Italian it's the okay. Brenner the uh, famous or oh, famous uh, Brenner corridor okay. which is 60 million of vehicles per uh, year it's wow. one of the most uh, <laughs> yeah. heavy uh, uh, charged uh, corridor of the world and it will uh, run from Munich down to Bologna and cross uh, Austria yeah. and uh, this is a big consortium. we have all the mm, uh, German Austrian Austrian, uh, Italian oh. telecom participants, car manufacturer BMW and uh, Chrysler. Yes, uh, so it's quite a big thing. Then we have another one. Uh, which what are these funny names? So uh, you he you knows all the names. Croco, Metz, Metz,
0: Metz, Luxembourg. This triangle there, and then one other
2: one who has several corridors. In one in Spain, uh, Spendler, in Spendler. The, in yeah. Eastern Europe. Okay. So, yeah. so it's, uh, it's, it's 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 catching up.
3: So I'm Pejvan Begui, and I'm the CTO of a company called Easy Mile. Our flagship product is a autonomous shuttle uh, mm-hmm. that uh, you know helps uh, transport people in city centers, private areas, and we're expanding into uh, the open road as well. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, it's kind of appropriate that you're here because a lot of people have been talking about smart cities and, and smart mobility. We've actually got a product that, as far as I know, is is already in use. Yeah. I think I've seen it. It is,
3: Places. yeah, it yeah, is already too. in use. Yeah. Um, so our shuttle is what we call level four autonomy, yeah. which wow. means that wow. it's fully autonomous. Yeah. It doesn't have a steering wheel, doesn't have you know wing mirrors yeah. and pedals and all that. Uh, but level four means that it's fully autonomous under limited circumstances yeah. and conditions, um, and so currently those conditions are much narrower than what we would hope. Um, and so we're working, you know, obviously uh, very hard for the past four years to improve that. Uh, but uh, yeah, my uh, my belief is that uh, there's a lot of technical technology, basically advances that are coming uh, that would help a lot, uh, you know, the uh, autonomous mobility.
1: You know, one thing that always intrigues me is when I come to places like, like this and Tallinn and um, even Lviv, sometimes, and even Berlin, where we're from. Like the roads in the city centres and the more urban areas don't seem terribly conducive to autonomous vehicles because there's lots of cobblestones and there's small walkways and stuff. How does it work?
3: Well, um, actually, (laughs) our vehicle is very well adapted (laughs) to these conditions. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, so uh, basically, it's got uh, no concept of front and back, so it's fully Mm -hmm. symmetrical, and uh, all four wheels are steering wheels. Right, so uh, it means that if you have very narrow, basically. streets and turns, you can still take them and because there is no concept of front and back you can do like a lift basically so mm-hmm. go all the way to through a very narrow city centre oh, road city. and come back without needing to do this uh, U-turn. Oh, wow. yeah. So yeah, very convenient and it's much narrower than a typical uh, bus because it's a small shuttle mm-hmm. and so again, uh, we have kind of de- developed it thinking that it would be very appropriate for that type of environment. W-
1: what do you, Who do you see as your use cases? Like your users? So
3: with, currently with our current customers so we've sold, uh, we've sold 80 of them or something like that. So uh, since 2015, where we first uh, introduced them, and we've produced a number, uh, I mean, a couple of generations uh, of vehicles. So uh, our main customers are the largest transport operators in the world. Um, so typically in France, you know, uh, RATP, uh, Transdev, and Transdev is a you know, global company. So they've uh, bought our, our, our shuttles, and they have a few even in the United States, uh, in Germany. Uh, we have Deutsche Bank as one of our biggest customers um, so um, same in Australia China uh, Scandinavia so what, the, what these companies are do is that they see that there is this new type of mobility coming. Uh, so first, they want to understand it, mm. and you know they're very risk-averse uh, people, and for a good you know reason. Um, so they take their time to evaluate the product, and they also want to understand how they could leverage it. So we don't position it currently as a competitor to existing transports. Uh, we position it as a complementary, uh, basically uh, mobility. Would you uh, call solution. it a last
1: mile solution? That's
3: what we do yes. yeah we call it the first and last mile solution <laughs> Chris just <laughs> had it written down I'm like oh no,
1: okay. on the
0: website
3: <laughs> um,
1: how, how many people fit in the vehicle so currently
3: 12 and in a comfortable way so not you know like yeah. packed uh, but Here. yeah so 12 people um, and that's our you know current uh, shuttle and we're also working with other manufacturers of existing vehicles to mm. produce uh, level 4 versions mm. of their uh, of their, uh, this, vehicles so, this
0: might seem like a dumb question, but... Um, the there are no dumb questions. <laughs> <laughs> we also have uh, inbuilt accessibility inbuilt accessibility ramp. Yes, I'm guessing that
3: is also automated. Or yes, it's one? fully automated. Yeah. So uh, basically, you have uh, two buttons on the outside. Mm-hmm. One is to yeah. open the doors, and the other one is to basically uh, get that ramp mm-hmm. uh, out. And it's it's actually quite uh, quite nice to see because the vehicle basically comes down a bit. Yeah, yeah. And like then some you of the have the ramp.
0: Do yeah, exactly. That's yeah. Right. Uh, What's what's its um, range and speed as well, roughly?
3: The speed is currently about 25 kilometers per hour, so it's, uh, you know, slow, but, uh, I mean, from... Our uh, feedback from the feedback we receive from our customers, Uh, the the speed is not a problem as of today. So 25, 30 kilometers is more than enough. And uh, it's got 14 hours of autonomy. Okay. Uh, If you don't turn on the air conditioning, then
1: you you charge it, right?
3: And And then we we recharge it, it. exactly. And
1: with it, um, I was just thinking like your current um, customers, are they using it on their own properties, like say Mm -hmm. a university land or, I don't know, a big factory? Yeah.
3: Exactly. So there are basically two main scenarios today is private areas or private campuses, university campuses, business campuses, uh, new kinds of uh, smart cities. For example, in the U S there is this place called Babcock uh, range where they have a fully uh, new city built on the premise that they're going to produce their own electricity with solar. And Mm. they're not going to have cars uh, within the city. And so they have these uh, shuttles to, move around and come to the outskirts of the city where they can take uh, their, their, their normal car. Yeah. Um, and the other uh, use case, obviously, you know, the open road within cities, uh, that's currently uh, more challenging for, you know, all the actors in the field. Uh, but that's obviously where everybody <laughs> wants and yeah. needs to go in yeah. the future. Because
0: um, also you have uh, the, the track easy for airport. E- yes, I mean, I can exactly. imagine both of them being very, very applicable in
1: airports.
3: In airports. Yeah. So that's, that's one it. of our main use Use cases and we've uh, so um, TLD is the producer of this uh, of this tractor and they're the largest uh, basically ground support equipment uh, and machinery types of uh, uh, vehicles producers in the world and um, so we see this as a very good product for airports and also for industrial sites. Mm-hmm. So we've announced a couple of weeks ago maybe or even sooner that PSA so uh, one of the largest. Car manufacturers in France uh, is actually testing it in one of their uh, factories uh, these small tractors they can carry like uh, 30 tons of material 30 tons yeah. wow. it's a, okay. that's amazing <laughs> and so it, electric uh, it, I and think, and
0: excuse me if you have competitors that make something very very similar but
3: uh, I think we saw them at uh, Mobile Congress or? For tractors Or for uh, uh, For the shuttles The shuttles, I the, I shuttles the shuttles Yes There is a, There yeah. is a, yeah. uh, Another French company Called Navia Oh yeah. okay. Okay um, All right <laughs> We've got something Very similar I'm
1: pretty sure I saw yours in um, Where was it In Scandinavia I went um, Finland
3: What's
1: the what's
3: the capital called again? Helsinki. Helsinki. Sorry. So yeah, we've been to Helsinki. Yeah. So our vehicles have been a lot in Sweden, Norway, and uh, Finland, Uh, Germany. As I mentioned, is a very big uh, country for us. Uh, France.
1: Interesting. It's funny because I hear that a lot and. Actually,
0: living there, it's sometimes.
3: We live in Berlin, which is not German. a little bit. I was in Berlin
0: yesterday. Yeah, I saw saw you opening an office. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah,
3: Yeah, we have an office in the uh, university where they have a lot of uh, new startups around mobility. Yeah, a lot of
0: Uh, aviation ones are there as
3: well. Yeah, yeah. Drones. Uh, no, no. It is,
0: it's a specific one oh, on the outskirts. A bit interesting. Um, there w- it was part of a You're startup night. No, no. It was right. part of a startup of my last year. Right. And they had a lot of the. There's a couple of other companies we know. Right. Them, I think
1: I know the one. Anyway. Yeah.
3: So we've know. got three people there. Yeah. So it's it's still a very small yeah. kind of yeah. operations. But yeah.
1: I mean, and, and when I think about this conference, I mean, five G is the buzzword, of course, and everyone's talking about the the potential, the future. that yeah. You know, where do you see or, or how do we get from here to there? Because it seems to be the sticking point with some of this stuff.
3: Um, so they're meaning like what fully autonomous uh, vehicles. Yeah, well yeah. Having,
1: okay, maybe a, a, maybe a first question is what's the, what's the most important thing to your company and on your vehicles? Is it um, getting the legislation for automation? Is it the um, getting perhaps the infrastructure around the physical okay. infrastructure? So or is it the 5G? Like, where does it That's
3: uh, a very good question. <laughs> it it's actually them. the topic of the presentation that I just gave. Um, so, no, that's all, that's all right. I mean, for, for your readers and all that, it's going to be interesting. Um, but so, basically, my view is that, uh, the current vehicle that we have is, again, is limited, and it's not limited by what we can do. It mm. is basically limited by what the sensors can sense. Mm. So, typically, uh, lidars are low resolution. They don't have a very uh, deep field of view, etc. Um, radars are very low resolution. So, the sensors are very limiting as of today. Uh, the compute power that we require is quite high, and And if you want to have something that's automotive-grade, basically having the processing power of a smartphone is just not possible. So imagine more power. Um, And finally, yes, connectivity is is very important. And um, I think that... There's a lot of very smart people working on sensors, and mm-hmm. I've uh, seen many very promising things displayed and almost like ready for testing. So mm-hmm. it's going to take another couple of years probably to be uh, available, you know, industrialized and available. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is going to get solved at some point. Uh, onboard compute is going to take more time because it's more complicated, but it, it might get there. Uh, but uh, one of the very good benefits that I see with 5G is that we might be able to offload some of the processing from the vehicle onto the edge that
0: was going to be actually my next question so
3: if if we can do that because there is a very high bandwidth and more importantly there is very low latency so apparently you're going to get Mm. about one millisecond of latency you can easily imagine that yeah, you can maybe not do the most safety critical things in the cloud because you still have to go to the data center but maybe on the edge you will be able to interesting things with this high bandwidth low latency
0: and in the areas where it's currently being tested are you using 5G at
3: all we've tested 5G so uh, you know with companies like Huawei Nokia uh, Ericsson we've uh, we've done some tests Uh, but the problem is uh, you need to also change your software and the way you do things if you want to leverage that capacity right and so currently it would be just too much an effort for us uh, to make all those changes
0: yeah, um, what?
3: what um, okay,
0: let's let's do two 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 phases to the, the question. Um, firstly, what do you see as the greatest barrier to autonomous vehicles at the moment? Is it technology, or is it regulation, or both? Or? So
3: currently, there is no regulation. So. <laughs> or lack of. <laughs> so it means that you cannot go on the road. Uh, I think it's cultural, actually. Yeah. Okay, right? So So yeah. uh, first of all, uh, people tend to think that uh, the problem is kind of solved. So that's mm. thanks to marketing campaigns for you know people like Elon Musk. And the likes. It's actually, so, a very good
1: point. I think uh, you're right.
3: There. And the problem is, is seriously, seriously far from yeah. being solved. So yeah. if you yeah. if you listen to Waymo, for example, they're not very uh, open uh, and they're very secretive. Mm-hmm. But one of the public presentations that they've made is that they say, yeah, we it took us ten years to get where we are, and we need another ten years mm-hmm. to get where we want to be. So it's not a solved problem. So that's the first one. Um, and the second one is that people expect these vehicles to be at least like. One uh, order of magnitude safer than human-driven vehicles, mm. um, and just like a couple of days ago in Berlin, uh, somebody was no, in Brussels, uh, somebody was saying that yeah, in order for the legislator to agree to have autonomous vehicles, they would need to be two orders of magnitude safer, which is like uh, if you do the math, uh, currently in Europe and in the United States, uh, the statistics are one fatality per hundred per one hundred million miles driven Mm. so that's That's a very very large number right so expecting autonomous vehicles to be able to do 10 or 100 times as good on their very first, the first iteration yeah. is is just uh, you know no. a very very so tough challenge uh, imagine you know like we ask the same level of uh, safety from the first airplanes yeah. know, it's just not possible right no. so i think that's the biggest challenge is that people expect them to be much much safer than mm-hmm. uh, human mm. uh, driven vehicles and it's going to be tough to achieve mm-hmm.
0: that and just a follow up question to that Uh, If we mostly say that the, the limitations and the barriers at the moment are more cultural, has has that influenced the countries you've rolled out to so far do you
3: think probably they, yeah. most probably because um, typically you know lots of Asian countries there they like to be bleeding edge or From, you know Dubai yeah. etc they like to uh, they're like early adopters in the, the, the bell curve that you know, we usually see in technology and they don't really mind that the technology is not perfect yeah. they're it's just a, happy to have this true. new thing yeah. uh, and so that's why like uh, in Asia and the Middle the least uh, we've been you know, quite successful uh, in Scandinavia I think they have um, a more uh, uh, green types of uh, attitude and yeah. that helps again because they like to share uh, the concept of shared mobility electric mobility and all that so yeah. that's probably also why we've uh, had a lot of success there um, and if you look at you know, maybe uh, southern countries southern European countries we've never been to Italy or, or yeah. Spain yeah. although it's any- coming
1: uh, uh, I mean, I know, like, in Europe, there's already a, a good ecosystem in a lot of countries of the smart city development, Barcelona and um, Amsterdam and so on. But are there countries that are resistant, that you've, you know, had contact dealings with, that are just like, no,
3: um, not really. That's At least time. that's the good That's the good that's thing good is that most of them are open to testing. Yeah,
1: exactly. Um,
3: yeah. But then, um, you know, testing is just a test and we don't really know how far it's going to go. But yeah, most most countries are, are open to testing.
1: I mean, I wrote an article maybe a month or so ago where Waymo and a couple of others, I think it was um, BMW or Daimler, were, were saying somewhere, and a futurist because they always jump in somewhere, don't they, in this conversation, 20, 2021, 22, 2023, mm-hmm. somewhere about that time, we'll have them on the road
3: commercially. Yeah, I've also read an article that said that for the past seven years, every year they're <laughs> postponed <laughs> by another year or two. Just- so <laughs> I think the more we do it, the more we understand the, the challenges. Yeah. Um, and again, the more public kind of uh, demonstrations uh, this, uh, we do, uh, mm. the more people think that it's uh, not only resolved. And so it's just easy to ask for a very high level of safety. Uh, so it, that's the challenge, mm. really. Mm. Is that everybody thinks? Everybody thought that even I think uh, Google they announced that they would have them ready by uh, 2017. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Uh, I think Elon Musk every three months he's saying it's going to be ready in three months. Um, so we, we don't comment on that because yeah, it's too we hard. just yeah.
1: yeah. And I mean given that it's you know you've probably had a few a few different prototypes and iterations what what have been the biggest changes as you've developed the vehicles
3: um so, for example, between our generation one and the generation two, although the look is uh, very similar uh, between these two, uh, I think ninety-five percent of the uh, uh, sensors, cables, and even uh, you know physical hardware things have been changed. Yeah. So, yeah,
1: interesting. That's a big job.
3: That's a, that's, a, that's that a was a job. massive, massive uh, thing, and we've changed everything from wow. sensors to computing to, net, to the inner network of the, yeah. the vehicle. The, The the GPS sensors, the 4G uh, uh, modem, uh, everything was basically changed. Mm.
0: And moving forwards, are you ever going to look into or do you consider ever looking into scaling them up to a bigger size or is that kind of counter to the idea anyway?
3: Or? I mean, for this vehicle is kind of countering the idea but uh, as I mentioned we're working with other manufacturers and we believe that we don't really have any value to bring to car manufacturing. Mm. So typically, I mean, uh, if Tesla after 10, 15 years and many billions of dollars invested is still are struggling to yeah. manufacture vehicles we are not going to solve the problem. Exactly. Uh, so what we do is that we partner with existing manufacturers. So uh, TLD that we mentioned, uh, Alstom, which is a tram and train manufacturer. So yep. we are working on a uh, on you know uh, autonomous functions for oh. the tramways. Um, and we've also announced a partnership with Iveco, so mm-hmm. a Italian uh, you know bus and truck company. So we've announced a you new know, twelve meter bus, so a normal sized bus. Uh, so we're working with them, and there are uh, other. companies where we're not allowed to mention.
1: If
0: I may, because mm-hmm. it's actually interesting, if I look at your open vacancies, <laughs> it sort of leads a little bit into what you say, because you have one robotics engineer and everyone else is software so, so uh, yeah uh,
3: so of. yeah the company is basically uh, we consider ourselves to be like most of a software company mm-hmm. than anything mm-hmm. else um, and just the you know my, my R&D team is about half of the size of the company yeah. mm-hmm. uh, and all the other roles that we have uh, I'm just responsible for the software mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. everything that's around the software so yeah, exactly. obviously the compute and the sensors are just so tightly coupled to the software that, mm-hmm. that my team is responsible for that uh, but yeah we basically are recruiting across the board on all the possible positions
1: yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it, it's really tough to find you know uh, yeah. uh, good people and it's uh, a very yeah, competitive okay, market yeah. Um, yeah because we, we actually sell the product right yeah. Yeah. Uh, and when you sell it you yeah, need to exactly. be able to provide uh, user manuals and our users they're not gonna drive it they're gonna no, no, for they're sure. gonna set it up yeah, it yeah. Be, yeah, um, yeah. so yeah. Uh, yeah and we also have uh, if fleet manager so that's a kind of an invisible part, but your vehicle cannot just do anything on its own, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, we have a fleet manager that monitors the vehicle that captures mm-hmm. uh, different metrics. Um, if the vehicle, for some reason, has a fault, you, you know, you don't have a driver to turn well, that's to. Right. So yeah. yeah, so you need to have something like in a lift where you have a button to call mm-hmm. uh, for an emergency, where we how have much, that. On the vehicle? With that
1: is is how much predictive maintenance is built in? Like I know you mentioned using the edge computing for example mm-hmm. so are you able to anticipate those problems before so, ever
3: so we have people working on that yeah uh, but we just don't have enough data and yeah. enough uh, his, not enough yeah. historical you, data uh, of yeah. course yeah. yeah and then but, you need
1: you need to kind of I don't know what the right term is. It's almost like the computer teaches itself from the data. Yeah, yeah so you,
3: you need to do a lot of data mining. Yeah. So uh, there's a statistical approach mm. uh, and there's also a more probabilistic approach where we hired somebody to with, with a background in that. And yeah. that was a very funny hire. Uh, I, I could explain <laughs> the details. Uh, but uh, yeah, basically uh, the problem is that Everything is just so new in this industry yes. that even when you talk to the sensor manufacturers, you tell them, "Okay, what's your MTBF—the mean time between failures—you mm-hmm. know—of uh, your hardware? you just
1: cannot tell us yeah, uh, that's
3: true. because they don't have enough data. Even the manufacturers.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, they don't have too probably as well. Yeah,
1: well uh, <laughs> yes. uh, I interviewed a company um, a while back. I can't quite remember who it was, but um, they were talking about the problems of their autonomous sort of vehicles in um, different types of weather mm. like snow and, and yes. rain because the sensor particularly the headlights and stuff couldn't get shouldn't get wet or what have you I think it was and missed. it actually created a, a new industry because there were there's now like a bunch of startups that have this job where they have a special cloth and a special spray mm-hmm. and this person who goes and cleans the headlights yeah
3: so so for us it's not the headlights it's the lidars yeah right um, and the lidars uh, they're very sensitive so they, They're covered by a very specific type of coating.
1: Yeah, that's right.
3: And if you, like, scratch that coating or if you use, um, you know, product you're not supposed to, uh, then Uh, basically the LiDAR is damaged. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, they're very sensitive. They're very expensive. expensive. Especially in industrial Uh, settings. And they can't see... Through the fog,
1: yeah, that was it. Fog, that was it. Must be fog. So yeah.
3: So if uh, I mean, for the rain, they would see you know drops, and that's a problem because you need to be able Mm. to filter that. Uh, But through the fog, you just see like a wall. Yeah, Uh, uh, I think fog is one of the most challenging environments right right. now for. I mean,
0: this is slightly tangent to what you do, but. Are there any developments in that to fix that?
3: Well, um, I think that the technology itself basically is not allowing for the light to go through the fog. I mean, that's the concept of fog, right? So you have microscopic uh, drops of water that's Mm. kind of uh, dispersing the ray of light. Uh, But there are other sensors, so uh, typically (laughs) cameras, they're... Better, they're not very good even mm-hmm. if you have very thick yeah. fog. Yeah, uh, but then, like uh, radars, they see completely through the fog. Yeah, I mean, awesome. There is no problem. the The only problem with radars is that they're currently very, very, very inaccurate. Mm. So you you can't navigate with the precision so that you
0: need. Old technology. Yes,
3: yeah. but again, this is a field where you have a number of companies and startups digging into high definition uh, radars. And uh, I personally put a lot of faith into uh, into the radars for the for the future.
1: And just in general, I mean, I know that this is a a technology that's evolving so fast, you know, incrementally, um, year by year. Are the prices dropping at all yet?
3: not yet yeah. um, <laughs> yeah. but again it's because uh, it, it, nothing is industrialized yeah. and even if you or skype, if, I guess. Yeah, companies who produce a new LiDAR uh, LiDARs are currently uh, mechanical LiDARs and uh, I'm not an expert in, in, in the manufacturing of those but apparently you need to spend a lot of um, expert uh, uh, man hours mm. to calibrate those and to mm-hmm. balance them um, and so that's what makes making them quite expensive and hard to manufacture and as you mentioned uh, the problem is there is no scale for uh, these producers so yeah. they cannot produce a lot of them and at the same time even if they could there is no demand for a lot of them uh, <laughs> no. because um, uh, OEMs and car manufacturers basically they, they don't have a demand for that yet yeah. uh, and at the same time all the people who all the companies who produce uh, autonomous vehicles they have a very small scale uh, if you compare that to to the OEM, so I think it's going to take time too.
1: And those were the interviews we did from the 5G Technotory Conference in Riga, Latvia. Indeed.
0: And what were your general thoughts of the event, just very quickly, Kate?
1: Yeah, it was a really interesting event. I went knowing... You know, not a crazy amount about 5G in terms of the actual impl- implica- uh, implementation. I knew about the possibilities and kind of the use cases and stuff, but um, went really wanting to know about how we get from now to there, given the timelines are, you know, different depending on each country you talk to, but somewhere in the early 2020s for most rollouts, I believe. And it seemed to be a lot of a lot of conversations about the need to have conversations.
0: Yeah, there was a lot of discussions around policies, use cases, um, what needs to be done, etc., without too much discussion on how that's being how, done, or when that's yeah. being done, uh, and a lot of. There was a lot of sort of positive talk around um, not wanting to just make it about business and et cetera, et cetera. And I wonder how much that will turn out in real life.
1: And there was also the launch of the Baltic Corridor, which was a Baltic effort to kind of unite the 5G efforts. And we also um, found out about a EU effort involved in. Um, Uh, 5G where it was basically a news and resource site which had a kind of funny logo that I think some of you might enjoy that harks a little bit back to MS Paint.
0: The 5G Observatory yeah that's it yeah all right well that was the show um I'm not entirely sure what our next episode will be we uh, will probably have a link show next if you've enjoyed listening you can find previous episodes at gregarismemble.com slash podcast or support the show with merchandise and donations at com slash support. How can people find you, Kate?
1: Sure. Probably the easiest way is Twitter, Kate underscore Lawrence. And that's Kate with a C and Lawrence with a W.
0: And I am at Chris Chinch on Twitter and com on the World Wide Web's.
1: And I'd just add we do have a Facebook page where we post regular news and commentary, some that we don't have time to discuss that just, you know, captures our fancy.
0: And until the next time, if you have been, thank you for listening.